Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday here at the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting into the point at which Jesus will begin to build his church through the apostles that he's about to choose, as he has already received Peter, Andrew, James, and John from the fields of fishing when he had them cast out in in chapter 4 and catch that load of fish. It said they immediately followed him. Uh, now we we come to the place where Jesus has worked in the synagogues. He's done amazing things. He's healed the man with leprosy. He's worked with the 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 person just like we talked about yesterday. He he worked with the guy who has the palsy and is paralytic, who was lowered down through the roof, and the amazing things that Jesus has done. Uh, today, now we're going to see that he that he reaches out to Levi, and of course, uh, once you gather the information about Levi, uh, you'll find out why the Pharisees and the scribes are wondering what this Jesus is doing, and who in the world does he think he is that he's gathering himself together with such rabble like Levi, traitors like Levi. So, we'll get into that, but first we want to give God praise for the healing work that he has done. I received message yesterday from Miss Joanne uh, Brinkley. This is Alvin and Brenda's daughter, Joanne, and and the in, we had a prayer service for her about two weeks ago on Sunday at the church, and and we just we we had an anointing service for her. We anointed her with oral oil. We we had a laying on of hands, and both for her and Sarah. Uh, her her partner there and 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 we we prayed over them and Joanne was was facing a mass they said was fourteen centimeters long and and um, everybody was just certain that that she had cancer and so we came together just as the Lord had commanded us in James chapter number five those who are, are sick among you to call the elders together for laying on of hands and praying for the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. And so we did exactly that. We gathered around her. We we laid a hands on her. We prayed for her. And and you know what? That she had contacted the doctor's office about last Thursday and and the doctor was on vacation, wasn't back yet. They did have the information, but the nurses that took the call would not share the information with Joanne that she had to go and talk to the doctor. Well, it just so turns out that yesterday Joanne went in to talk to the doctor, and I'm certain that everybody was considering that this was bad, that it was horrible, that that things were were just worse or, or as bad as they thought. But guess what? Guys, uh, there's no cancer. <laughs> guess what? Uh, they're, they're sending the information down to, to Roanoke to try and get a second opinion because we want to make sure that she is well and that the doctor didn't miss something, but she's baffled the doctor because there's just no cancer. And they don't understand how that's possible. I mean, if you could see and feel a 14-centimeter mass, then, then certainly there's something there, right? But there isn't. And so... Again, we just want to praise God. We want to thank Him for His mercy. We want to thank Him for His grace, for His authority over all things in this world, for His healing power. You remember, yesterday, at the very first verse of 17, it said, The, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
Oh, how his power is present. If only we would trust him. Well, thank God for Joanne. And so we continue to pray for our brother Jeff. We continue to pray for Kim Huddleston and for Katie Neals and for Hope Mullins who had to go down uh, to to St. Jude just just recently and just now and and have a surgery to be done with her eyes. So we just pray for her and ask for God's blessing be upon Hope and for the Tuck family and for the, the Mullins family, for Grandpa and Grandma. We just we pray for them and ask that God's hand be upon them to protect them during this time and comfort them and and for hope and we just we ask that God's hand to be upon the many in our community who are battling with cancer. We lift up Miss Jane Larkins unto the Lord and pray that God will bless and be with her for Miss Pat Pickerel. We continue to ask God's blessing upon her for Miss Gloria Geis. She hasn't been feeling too well, but she's on with us every day at 4 o'clock. It's a little bit of sunshine. God bless you, girl. May the Lord shine upon you greatly today. We'll be praying for you. We also pray for, for those who, who are in the fight with COVID. Uh, I know I talked to Gene Suggs. He's gotten over it. He's passed it. Praise God. Miss Carol's doing well also. And and there are several that, that have been among us who have contracted COVID and have gone through it and have successfully come out on the other side of it. So we give God thanks for that blessing because we know how potentially dangerous this virus can be. But he also told me that it was no fun and that he wouldn't wish it on his worst enemy and that he doesn't, you know, it's it's a real deal, guys. I mean, fighting this virus is a real fight. It's a real deal. But praise God, he, he was able to overcome it. So we want to thank the Lord. Uh, we, we continue to pray for those who do battle with different viruses. I know my daughter Josie's been down a little bit with a virus, and, and she's she's looking a lot better. But we just want to pray that God will continue to bless and carry her all the way through and, and the many of in our community that are fighting. We also want to lift up those that struggle with diabetes. We want to lift up those that, that battle with heart disease because of the way that these things work on the body and the challenges that folks have to go through. So we just pray for that. And we lift up our sister Gabby uh, going down to Clarkston, Georgia. We want to pray that God will bless her richly and the ministries given to her, uh, given for her to do down there. Uh, yesterday was a day of prayer that, that uh, would be connected together online for, for a time of prayer. We just we ask that God's blessing be upon her and the work she's going to do. So continue to remember her and in, in missions and Daniel and, and Jesse Johnson out there in Burundi and Africa and and uh, Hope of Life and Carlos Vargas down there in, in Guatemala and, and for uh, allow the children here in in Lynchburg for, for the, the blessing that they do, Sue uh, Cook and Michael and Sue Cook. We want to keep them lifted up with Govinda and and just the blessing of the Discovery School as well. Just trying to think through all of the different places that that we just want to thank God for the ministry. And and today, in our prayer time, I've got a very special opportunity to meet, uh, really get a chance to pray with and talk to and meet the pastor over at uh, over at Palestine Church here in Huddleston. 
And his name is David, and what a blessing it is for Palestine to have received him as their pastor. And I I look forward to the great ministry that can come from him and from Palestine and the community and the ways we can work together. So, amen. Just amen. Now, let's look to the Lord. Father, we're grateful. There's so much going on, so much that is good and so much that causes concern in our soul. And so, Lord... You told us to come before you and cast every care that we have upon you and that you would be willing to receive those things that we are willing to give you so that we may be free of them to be able to rejoice in you. So we ask, Father, for your hand to be upon those that are struggling with cancer, those that we have lifted up to you, Miss Hope, as she goes through her surgery with her eyes, and and for Jeff, as he prepares himself to receive the immunotherapy treatment that he has agreed to, to do, and, and for your blessing upon him and Brenda, for Joanne and Sarah, Lord, that you, you would continue to work in their lives, and, and Father, that your grace may shine through through Joanne's life and the, and the healing that you have done, that it would be a complete healing. <clears throat> Father, we pray that you will continue to watch over and and bless the opportunities we have as a people of God for the future, Lord, that we may be a light that shines in the darkness and that we may be a bold people, not fearing the, the shadow of the valley of death, but that we may be able to boldly go forth in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ and share the love of God with all whom we come across. Father, we pray that you will watch over Miss Gloria and her sister Pat. We pray that you watch over Miss Jane and bless her and strengthen her in every way. Lord, that you will bless Miss Sue and Pete for being that blessing to Jane. And we pray for Jean and Carol as they continue to care for their son Jeff. And that you will bless Jeff and Brenda for for taking such good care of Jeff. And we, we ask that, Father, your Hand to be upon the many who are struggling today with their health and whatever type of struggle they face, that you will give them grace, Lord, that you will cover them and that you will just bless them in a mighty way that they may be able to overcome just this day. As we said this morning, tomorrow is not guaranteed to us, but a hope of what may be. And yesterday was something we can't fix or do anything about. So we live today. And, and we seek to honor you and praise you and worship you in this day as you give us strength to do so in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, all right, here we are. We're in Luke chapter number 5. We're starting off at verse number 27. We're going to meet up with Jesus as we discussed this once before in the Gospel of Mark. But here in Matthew, I think we're going to get a little bit more detail, a lot more information. Is, is or Not Matthew, I'm talking about Luke here. But this is Luke. He, he tends to give us a lot more background on things. So this ought to be an exciting ride. We start off... In verse number 27, and we're going to work our way down to verse number 32 in the time we have today. So the scripture says in verse number 27, After these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And, and Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans 
and of others that sat down with him. But their disciple, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, "Why do you eat with and drink with publicans and sinners?" <laughs> and Jesus answering said to them, "They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous." but the sinners to repentance. I love it. So praise God. And I'm just going to stick with these verses today because the question that Jesus will receive tomorrow as we get into it about fasting, uh, I'm going to talk to you about my journey of fasting. Right now I am in the midst of a fasting. And so uh, I'll I'll tell you about my journey with, with Jesus' words there, but we'll get to that tomorrow. Today we look at several intimate details that are necessary for us to receive from the Lord about this Levi. Now, Levi is also known as Matthew, as in the Gospel of Matthew, that is Levi. And so it's very important to understand those two together. But it's it's important to also understand that, that Oftentimes, you've no doubt read over this and read over it and read over it and read over it. It was just a part of a story that you kept reading through. But did you ever stop and look at the details? Well, that's exactly what we're going to do today. Now, in verse number 27, it says these words, After these things, Jesus, he went forth and saw a publican. Now, a publican's job is a tax collector, and where where Matthew sat as a tax collector was at the receipt of customs. It's a it's an excise tax, basically, as a customs uh, kind of border control. So, people coming in, going out of Jerusalem or, or in that area of Judea, uh, as Jesus had made his way, is heading down towards Judea. He's, he comes across a border crossing where a tax is being collected, and that's where Matthew is sitting at the receipt of custom. Now, Matthew is one publican among many, and, and there would be in the midst of this group with Levi, I'm going to use his his Hebrew name as, as Luke does, as Levi, and and what you're going to find is he is numbered among a multitude of customs officers that would be Roman. Uh, some of them certainly would be Jews because if you came across Jews in your customs line and they chose not to speak Greek or Latin, that they chose to speak Hebrew, you wouldn't be able to understand them unless Levi's sitting there and you're trying to explain to somebody and they, they try to answer you back by saying we don't speak Greek or Latin, then Matthew could explain to them in Hebrew exactly how much they would owe. So, needless to say, this Levi among the the Hebrew people would be considered a traitor to their customs, a traitor to his own culture, that he would be stealing from his own people and be a violator of the law of God, as God would say in the Ten Commandments, "'Thou shalt not steal.'" And so it would be seen of Matthew as being a thief to his own people, as being a violator of the law of God, and as not being worthy to be 
to be in the midst of God, in the midst of God's people or the temple, Matthew would, or shall I say Levi, would not be a well-received person among his own people, and yet the Romans would love him because he's faithful to his duties as receiving the customs. He's faithful to his duties in, in, in claiming the taxes. So the Romans love him for what he's doing for their, their nation, but the Hebrews would hate him because of how he, they feel he's gone against their culture. And what does Jesus do? <laughs> so here's Levi. He's sitting at the receipt of customs. Jesus seeks him out. Now, Certainly, there are a ton of other Hebrew people that have more of a religious faith, more of a religious background, and more of a of, of a, a better kind of image within the culture of the Hebrews that Jesus could draw from or he could pick from. But the first several followers of Jesus are fishermen, which is, is seen in 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 kind of kind of parallel to being a shepherd in other words it's an unclean career field you're an unclean people and so you're not well received at the synagogues or the tabernacles because they don't want to be polluted by your uncleanness so the first four people that Jesus surrounds himself with in intimate fellowship are fishermen and then we see that Jesus is is actually pinpointed this one guy now, the reason why is because nobody's paying attention to the fact that Levi is actually a very faithful Jew. Levi is faithful to the Torah. He's faithful to his attendance and the synagogue. He's, he's actually an honest tax collector. He, he's still a tax collector, so nobody's going to like him, but he's an honest tax collector. He's not like la- or little... Who's that little dude? Uh, Zacchaeus. That's who he is. He's not like that Zacchaeus who was who was skimming off of the taxes of a people to be able to tax them more so he could make more salary for himself, uh, plus the the tax of Rome. He's not like Zacchaeus. Levi is is an above board and honest man, and so Jesus goes directly to him, and 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 this is all that you get that Jesus says to this Levi. He walks up to him and he says, follow me. Now, within the text of these two words, you're going to see what the willingness is to serve Jesus. You're going to understand within these two words comes the reality that if we're going to follow Jesus... We must be a people prepared to give up everything. It doesn't mean necessarily that we have to give up everything. Jesus may want to use what we currently have, possess, and are making in order to be a better blessing or a bigger blessing to the work that he would have us to do. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to give up everything, but we must be prepared to give up everything. And the reason why is because we would be wholly unusable under the kingdom of God if we weren't willing to do some things for the kingdom of God. To use our resources to include our life to serve God. 
And so when Jesus came to Levi in verse 27 and said, follow me, Levi's got to make several decisions, and I mean make them in real time. It's not like Levi said, well, give me a few months, give me a couple of years, let me learn about this thing, and let me let me consider the options, let me see where I am with my 401k, let me, let me first get a retirement built up, and then, after all of that, then I'll serve you. That, that's not the case at all. The reality is, is when Jesus comes to you and says to you, follow me, you're either going to drop everything and be ready to go, or Jesus is going to walk off and leave you behind because there's no way he can use somebody that's not willing to give up everything to follow him. And that I realize that's a tough thing to have to think about, but it is the reality of what the scripture shows. Believe me, it ain't easy to follow Jesus, to be willing to uproot your life and just just be at his service, give up everything that you are doing to be ready to do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, whenever he wants in the world. It ain't easy, but it's worth it. Just saying. Now, follow me. Verse 28. But keep in mind, I I understand one thing very special about Levi is that he is a man that understands the law of God. He's a man that understands the scriptures of the Tanakh, meaning that he understands the Nuvim, that he understands the Ketuvim, which are the law uh, the books of, of of the law, which is the Torah, and the books of the prophets, and the books of of poetry, which would be like that of of um, Psalms and Proverbs and 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 uh, of such. So Matthew, or sorry, I keep using his Roman name. So Levi uh, is is very uh, attuned to the scriptures. He's looking for a Messiah. He's trusting in the Torah to to show him or reveal to him uh, the presence of God. He's he's a faithful man of the synagogue. You say, well, how do you draw all of these inferences about about Levi? Well, because when he throws a party at Jesus's house, guess who shows up? The scribes who are in connection to the temple with the with the priest and the Pharisees. So Matthew, sorry, Roman name again. Levi is, is very familiar to the synagogues. He's very familiar to the temple. He's one who makes his pilgrimages three times a year. He's one who is well, oddly enough, he's well respected to the religious crowds in that he is no doubt a, a heavy contributor, as in a giver of his tithe and a giver of of monies, but he's also despised. So people love his money but hate him. But they're not going to tell him that they hate him because they love his money. But you know that they despise him because it's about to come out within the scribes and Pharisees and the conversation that they have with the disciples of Jesus. Check this out. As it stands, Jesus says to him in verse 27, follow me. Verse 28, 
Levi, literally, and you'll find this written by his own account in, in the Gospel of Matthew, that he straightens his books up, that he gets everything uh, prepared, that he, then he finishes off all of his ledgers and gets it ready, and then gets up and he leaves the job. He's he's not going to be a receipt of custom anymore. He's, he's just walked away from it. He's done because he's got a new career in his life. He's going to serve Jesus. It says he left all, he rose up at that moment. Can you imagine being at the receipt of custom? You got a line of people, you've got you've got several booths that are going to receive people, but this one, you've got a line behind it. And and this guy just gets up, he squares all of his books away at the table and everything. He just gets up and he walks off with Jesus. Don't even look back. It's kind of like that that comedian Michael Jr., he was talking about the fact that he was quitting a job once and the the manager of the job said it was required that he give two weeks as a notice. And so Michael Jr., he says, well, boss, he says, you're going to notice in two weeks that I haven't been here and that's my two weeks notice. That's kind of the way that that Levi works here. He just gets up and he walks with Jesus and the, the two of them are gone and and it's guaranteed in two weeks you're gonna notice that he wasn't there. <laughs> and so it comes down to verse twenty-nine that Levi is not by any means a poor man. And by the way, never do you find in scripture that God requires Levi to sell his house and give up all of his wealth and everything else. Because I guarantee you that that the wealth God blessed Levi to have is going to come in handy in the provision of food for the disciples and in the in the provision of places to stay and in the connection of the Roman world. There's a reason why God chooses the people he chooses for his mission. And so Levi makes a great feast in his house, and his house has got to be an amazing place. He, he is a very wealthy man from the work that he's done as a receipt of customs. And so he he freely blesses those who are with Jesus. So at this point of time, you would have as a core Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Jesus, plus a few that may be following them because of the healings that have been done and because of the the miracles that he's performed, you know, you would have kind of a, a, a group of people that might be surrounding you and following you. Of course, in John chapter number six, we're going to see how a lot of that group breaks away and doesn't follow him anymore. But he's always got Peter, Andrew, James, and John that are right there with him. And and so there was this feast, this great feast inside of Levi's house and a great company. Now, of course, Levi, being a receipt of custom and being a tax collector, when he kicks off a great feast within his house, which seems to be kind of a regular occasion that Levi chooses to bless those around him, that there are always showing up a bunch of publicans just like Levi. Of course, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie of the people that you work with. And so Levi throws this throws this party for Jesus as a preparation for his entrance into the service of Jesus. And all of these publicans show up. And and look at verse 29 very carefully. It says, A great company of publicans, those that Matthew, sorry, that was his Roman name, those that Levi had worked with, the company of publicans, look at this, in verse 29, and of others. 
that sat down with them. Now, the others that you're going to see here are three groups. There are the scribes that'll be there. There are the Pharisees that'll be there. And there are this group of people called sinners. Who were they? I don't know. The scripture just simply calls them sinners. Uh, they were Romans, no doubt. They were they were wicked in their own desires. Well, at least they were wicked according to the scribes and the Pharisees that would be challenging Jesus and Jesus' disciples because the the way it would work out inside of Matthew's house is that there would be a set of tables that would be established in a separated part of the overall room. And that table, and by the way, this is the grace of Levi, that table would be specifically for the scribes and the Pharisees, because the scribes and the Pharisees, according to their religion, would not allow them uh, to be in the presence of all of those sinners and publicans, to eat with them and to socialize with them publicly. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes could fellowship with Levi, who is the master of the house, but they would not associate with all of those publicans and sinners because it would be considered a defilement for them to fellowship. And so within this party, inside of this room, you would have all of these publicans, all these tax collectors and these quote-unquote sinners that would be at the main table just having a good day, having a good time, feasting, laughing, talking, playing around, what have you. And then you would have Levi at the head of the table, which would be in measure separated from the table because he would be able to function with a table that is spread for the publicans and sinners. And then he would have uh, a functionality to be able to work with the tables that were established just for what would be considered the righteous, the scribes and the Pharisees. And Levi would be working between the two. Of course, honoring you know the, the scribes and Pharisees would be honoring Levi because they don't want to lose the amount of money that he is faithful to giving, but they wouldn't have anything to do with Levi on his normal life because of the fact that he's surrounded by publicans and boop, boop, sinners. So what you'll find is at Levi's house, he's thrown this great meal for Jesus. And now let's talk about Jesus for a second. He is seen, regardless of if he is appreciated for it or if he's despised for it, he is seen as a rabbi, as an elder and a leader in the synagogues of Galilee. And so Jesus as being considered a rabbi would be, by the Pharisee and the scribes' account, required by law of religion, religious law, to sit with them, not with the table of the publicans and sinners. And those disciples that would be following Jesus would also be required by religious law to separate themselves with their rabbi unto the table of the righteous, because they would be recognized as followers of Yahweh, and they would be recognized, Jesus would be recognized as a leader, as a teacher 
of Yahweh, so they would be required to separate themselves to the table of the religious and not be defiled by the table of the swine, so to speak. Now, as Jesus came into the room, of course, we understand exactly where Jesus is going to take himself to be and where Jesus is going to put his disciples. He's not going to be hanging out with the religious people. Because what's the point in hanging out with the religious people? They're all entirely religious. (laughs) The reason why Jesus is going to these publicans and to these sinners is because they're the ones who are destined for the pit of hell. They are the ones who are destined for eternal separation from God because they are the ones who don't have knowledge of God, never heard the gospel, don't know anything about God. So those are the ones who are the most desperate in the room and the most sick among the people. So where in the world do you think that Jesus is going to go? Would he waste his time, efforts, energy, and life haggling over doctrine as concerning the scriptures that, by the way, are Jesus? Why are you arguing with God, so to speak? With these righteous people that don't have need for God because they've become their own gods. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. Or does Jesus go to the people who have no idea who God is and reveal him so that they can realize their need for salvation? Those are the ones that will come to Christ. Those are the ones that will accept God, recognize their evil, and, and, and repent. So Jesus goes to them. He sits down with the publicans and sinners. He hangs out with Levi at Levi's table, not the righteous table on the other side, whispering and murmuring and then hollering at Levi to come over every now and then. No, 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 no. He he hangs out right there at the table with all the other people because that's exactly who he's trying to reach. And so it, it's funny, we find ourselves often in different fellowships, we'll go to different conferences and we'll, we'll you know, as Christians, we'll, we'll find ourselves in the midst of a lot of companies that are around us and, and majoritively speaking, those companies that we're seeking are companies of people that are just like us. We like the idea of being surrounded by people just like us. But our calling is to go into the world. That's one of the reasons why in in many a day, unless I've got something else going on, you'll find me uh, uploading these videos and, 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 and doing these different things that I do electronically. Uh, you'll find me down at the, the Smith Mountain Lake coffee shop. Well, one reason is because just to have great coffee. But another reason is, is that there are loads of people that come into that place and some of them indeed have heard the gospel and are servants of our Lord and, 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 and King. In which case, I, I get to meet new brothers and sisters all the time as they come in and they talk with me and they say, Hey, uh, I noticed you have, you know, a, a sticker on your, your computer. I noticed you, you know, I noticed you were over there praying or I noticed that you were, you were, you know, doing something with the Bible and, and they come over and we got some fellowship. But there are a lot of other people that I've talked to while being down there that don't know Jesus at all. 
and, and get interested by the conversations that we're able to have as you plant those seeds about the reality of Christianity, the reality of our faith. And guys, what, that's exactly where we're supposed to be. Just like Jesus hanging out at the table of the publicans and sinners. And look at this. As Levi, in verse 29, made him a great feast in his own house. There's a great company of publicans and others that sat down with him. But listen, there scribes and Pharisees. There scribes. Whose? Who is the there in this in this scripture? But there scribes and Pharisees murmured against Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat with and drink with publicans and sinners? Their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciple. There. Who's the there? Would it be would 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 Levi fill into the gap of there? Scribes and Pharisees? Well, see, these wouldn't be Jesus' disciples, scribes and Pharisees, because as as Jesus' disciples surrendered themselves to the service of Jesus, then he would become their rabbi, no longer to be affiliated to these other scribes and Pharisees. They would belong directly to Jesus. So the there doesn't cover his disciples, but who does it cover? Their scribes and Pharisees. Would it be Levi? That's included in this? Would it be some of those other publicans that would be recognized as being Jews alongside of Levi who would find themselves in the the synagogue that they would fall under these scribes and Pharisees? Would, uh, would it be some of these sinners that would be recognized as being in the synagogue that the Pharisees and scribes would be lords over, leaders over in, in these synagogues? You see, it's an interesting word that is found right here in verse number 30, their scribes. This this is referring to a group of people that would be under the, the lordship of these scribes and Pharisees, so to speak. And, and as these scribes and Pharisees watch Jesus' disciples and Jesus at the table of those people to whom they know are sinners and that they know are publicans, those Jews that would be at that table among the Romans whom they know because of their leadership level in that synagogue that even though these people show up to church, so to speak, or these people show up to synagogue, that they are liars before God because they in the week are out there cussing and drinking and smoking and cheating and stealing and and they've broken every commandment possible, but they'll show up to synagogue on Saturday just so they can try and get some kind of measure before God, kind of get it right. And so we know as scribes and Pharisees exactly who those people sitting at that table are, which is why we, the righteous, are sitting at this table separated from those wicked people. And thus, these Pharisees, they say, why are you exposing yourself to those wicked people? people why are you eating with them and drinking with them don't you know who they are oh, oh jesus he says um he he knows what they're thinking he hears what they said 
Jesus said, y'all, y'all don't get it, do you? He said, those who are whole, need they don't need a physician. Look, y'all at that table of the righteous, you don't have any need for a physician because you find yourselves perfect. You find yourselves faultless. You think you're just fine because you're religious leaders that God is, you're just fine with God, so you don't need anything. In fact, you're so good with God that you've become judges among the people. He said, those that are whole don't need a physician. The people that are sick, the people that, are, that don't understand, that don't know, that have no fellowship, that have no connection with God, that, that don't even know that there is a God, the people that are sick need a physician. Who else are they going to get but Jesus? Because these other Pharisees, these other scribes, they're not going to give them Jesus. They're just going to judge them as God themselves. Jesus said it perfectly, and I'll be done with this. I came not to call the righteous. Look, if you're self-righteous today and you think you're just fine with God, you're not even who Jesus is looking for. It'd be tough to say you ever found Jesus because he ain't looking for you. He ain't looking for the righteous. He's looking for sinners. He came to call the sinners to repentance. Well, the righteous don't have any need of repentance. It breaks my heart to think about the churches. The churches I've served in, the church that I am in, I ain't going to lie about that. It breaks my heart to think that, that, that in the years of service that I have given unto my king, that in these churches as his message would go forth and penetrate the souls of a people sitting in the pew, that it would not motivate them to recognize their need for repentance. That all of these churches around here who have altars and most pastors who have quit giving an altar call is because there's been never any movement for years. There's been no movement because nobody feels like that they have to repent for anything that they're doing. And don't you understand that you are sinners and that you have sinned against a righteous and holy God and that that altar should be filled with the people's hearts, broken in repentance, but not not many than three, a handful anyway, of lives that would at any given time, in any position of a year, bother walking down that aisle just to bow themselves down at the Lord and impressed upon them to a point where they couldn't ignore Him anymore, but that we find ourselves in American Christianity as a people wholly righteous within ourselves and have no need of repentance. Well, Jesus ain't talking to us anymore because of that. Jesus is looking for sinners who are willing to be real about who they are. Oh, and then he can do some work. Maybe you're just going to have to get real with God. Maybe you're just going to have to get real and stop playing the Pharisee or the scribe. Stop playing the fool. Get real with God. It's one thing you can't escape even if you are a child of God, is you live in the flesh of corruption and you have sinned. You have sinned. You're either going to get it right with God right now and find a place of repentance in your heart right now. Or when God takes you, and He will take you, you'll face His judgment on the other side. Choice is yours. Father, we ask and pray thy blessing upon us. We receive this message today that you will work within us and cause us to truly understand the reality we are faced with 
in this day and that it would change us, Lord, and transform us so that we may be the servants of the true King. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Well, guys, God bless you. God keep you, cause His face to shine upon you. And tomorrow we will get into the question about fasting. Be glad to talk to you about it. Till then, God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.